This podcast is sponsored by YYC Real Estate Group, offering a tailor-made service, versatility and expertise for all your real estate needs. Are you thinking about selling, buying, investing or having your properties managed? For more information, check our website, www.yycrealestategroup.com. We are passionate about real estate and we love to support local businesses. We hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Cheers. All right, guys. Welcome to episode number... 34. 34. I think your voice is getting deeper as we go on, Dave. But Deeper. Nice. <laughs> uh, but today we got um, Ross Alger. Is that right? That's perfect. Ross Alger. Yeah. And he's uh, one of the founders of Confluence Distilling. That's correct. Is that right? Yeah, Confluence Distilling. Um, local distillery. Local distillery. You know, I, I really don't even know what that means yet, so we'll, <laughs> we'll explain that part. Um, you've been up and running for about two years now, two and a half years. Yep. And basically, you guys, to my understanding, is you guys make your own spirits and vodka gin i don't know what you guys make absolutely yeah we're the kind of calgary's craft gin distillery so we kind of focus ourselves on gin a little bit but we mm-hmm. do make a little bit of everything so we got vodka gin whiskey and barrels waiting to be uh aged and uh, a variety of other spirits how long do they age them for so whiskey is a required minimum of three years okay what so, all whiskey all whiskey has been aged for at least three years in Canada. Mm. Some American whiskeys are, are less. Yeah. Uh, but generally, that's kind of the, the standard for most of the whiskey you'll drink. So does that mean you have whis- whiskey that you can't sell yet because you guys have only been up for two and a half years? <laughs> yes, we have no whiskey for sale. <laughs> we only have whiskey just sitting around oh. in barrels right now. So. Crazy. Yeah. What's, what's the primary, um, I guess... The mixture for whiskey, like what kind of grain or whatever do they use? Uh, whiskey is mostly just a, a grain spirit that is aged, and you can use anything you want. So like a bourbon is is at least 50% corn-based. Oh. Uh, single malt whiskey, malt being uh, malted barley, mm-hmm. means it's 100% made of malted barley. So we, and like a rye whiskey typically has more than 50% rye even though it gets more complicated than that. Mm. Um, but so like we have like some 100% rye whiskeys uh, that we're making. We have 100% barley-based, malted barley-based whiskeys. Um, and then we also have 100% wheat whiskey as well, which is fairly unconventional. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we make all of our clear spirits out of wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we thought it would be an interesting project to see what that goes like. And <laughs> maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't be. <laughs> we'll find out in a few years. That's sweet, man. I always felt like I wanted to own like a bar or like, you know, when you're growing up, you're like, oh, I want to own a bar. Or, yeah. One of our clients yeah. was just saying that yesterday, that they really want to open up a bar in Montreal, but it's like, <laughs> now you're brewing your own alcohol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you guys are, you guys are a cocktail bar too, right? So you guys, cause we've been to your place. Yep. Um, yeah, it's a cool spot. We went there for slut merch yeah. and that was a pretty eventful night. <laughs> Pretty, uh, probably the coolest event we've ever had. Yeah. Uh, super interesting. Uh, very exciting. Really, uh, yeah, really good party. Uh, really cool things going on. Yeah, it's a sweet venue. Like, it's got really sweet decor, just like old school vintage vibe. I try and, like, uh, articulate it. It's like my grandma's basement. Yeah. That was a bar. It's very much like that. That's cool. And so we're not, like, officially a bar because a bar, you can sell anything you want. Mm-hmm. We're a tasting room um, that is kind of the front face of our business. And so we're only allowed to sell spirits or drinks that we've made ourselves. So oh. all of the drinks that we sell have some kind of confluence product in them. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. So do people go there and, um, cause I, I guess we went there for an event, yeah. but typically when people go there, they're just, uh, sampling alcohol or are they actually sitting around? And- it's a full cocktail bar based experience, but they're only getting things that I've made. Oh, okay, <laughs> so, okay, okay, okay. so like, because we have a range of products, like we did a collaboration rum the other day. And so we have some rum based cocktails. We have vodka, gin, all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, we have barrel aged old fashions. So like a barrel aged vodka mm-hmm. is like similar to whiskey, but a little different. So we kind of like skip the, the note with some whiskey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, you're basically very similar uh, to what you get at a, like a, a proof kind of esque feeling. There's a bunch of tables inside. We mm-hmm. now have a patio as well. 
um, so that we can operate currently. And uh, yeah, come out, come down with your friends, sit at a table, have some drinks. We have a few little snacks, yeah. not a huge food list, but mm-hmm. uh, just nice uh, casual. And then we're in that neighborhood, the Barley Belt, where there's like 14 breweries, cideries, and distilleries within 10 blocks of each other. Yeah, yeah what is that place? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's like a lot of pub crawls and stuff go there. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're kind of on this cruise between Inglewood and and uh, and kind of 42nd and McLeod where you have this massive density of, of breweries. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of a an option for gluten intolerant people, people that just don't care for beer because they've had enough like heavy, <laughs> hazy IPAs that they're tired of that. So <laughs> so we're like kind of a little bit of a, an off track on that. And so we have like on the weekends, Saturday, Sunday, we have these massive like bike bikers going through up and down our streets all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get two groups of people like the people going for like a cocktail like a, like a elevated cocktail experience and then the people that are on these like bike crews that are usually fairly intoxicated yeah i should <laughs> check it out again yeah you guys are uh, just allowed on the balcony now then the yeah, the, like patio. The, front, the patio yeah 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 so we have uh, a seating for probably about 20 on our patio and then we're going to get a patio extension in the next couple of weeks on the street uh, just in the parking, like we're, oh. it's kind of like extension of our parking lot. Our parking lot is massive. So we can, yeah. if we really wanted to like go for it, we could probably put 200 seats in there, but cold garden style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of those that are coming yeah. out. But yeah. So it's... like Dandy's the same kind of, they've taken over their entire parking lot as being this massive like beer garden area. Might as well. Oh, it's great. I think like. You got to gonna be... adapt, right? Yeah. To the times. And it's also like, I think. Oh man, it's just okay. like. I'd rather be sitting on a patio than inside, like, yeah, the, the, like, the street culture of it, I think, is really, like, a positive change in Calgary, mm-hmm. um, it's particularly, like, on 17th Avenue, the yeah. way that the patio extensions have, like, really opened up the street and made people more lively. Like, mm-hmm. I love walking up and down 17th now. I know. Because uh, it's so vibrant. It's like, oh, we're in a pandemic, but there's, like, millions of people everywhere. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the streets are busier than how it was on the inside and, like, yeah. it's sunny out. The weather's decent and like, yeah, you might as well take off that road because there's less cars on the road anyways and just extend the patios out there. Exactly. No, I think it's going to be, I really like how it's going and I'm, I'm confident that the AGLC and the city like yeah. are planning these to be extended forever. Like mm-hmm. these, the patio extensions, the AGLC has no intention of, of revoking that after COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see a lot of like potential in, in increasing Calgary's vibrance and in, in nightlife and stuff like that. So didn't they just um, approve drinking in public parks as well too? No, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, yeah. the city, yeah. did the city do it? Yeah. Because I know that the city, like that was the, the last piece was getting the city of Calgary to agree to that. I'm pretty sure I just yes, read I it on the, in the news Heck the other yeah. day because uh, uh, Toronto just approved it as well. Like North Vancouver had it last year and there was some really success successful metrics mm-hmm. about how it was um worked on and, and like and there wasn't an over intoxication it was like really handled well the community really embraced it mm-hmm. the parks were more vibrant than they were before so i see that being a really positive opportunity for calgary this yeah. year european vibes like oh yeah oh yeah you're like <laughs> that for sure everywhere in europe i remember i went to paris you just bring your own bottle of wine and sit right under the the yeah. Eiffel Tower, right? And just yeah. drink and, yeah. and your cheese, your All wine, over that bread. <laughs> Everyone's just carrying Well, we it, need right? to do that. That's right? my jam. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I do that in Calgary, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when we went to Eau Claire with that... Uh, that wine box <laughs> oh man we got hammered that was <laughs> we brought a wine box after i don't even know some event and we sat there and we just polished we off polished this. it and uh we were <laughs> riding uh those lime scooters <laughs> oh yeah those come back yeah. in a couple more weeks i think too may 1st is when they're supposed to be released so yeah it's gonna be a good one mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah, let's dive. Let's dive into the business, Ross. Sure. Um, let's first, let's first start off. Uh, you know, tell us something we no one really knows about you. Uh, about me, uh, my former career is mildly interesting. Well, not really interesting. I was a mechanical engineer, but my job title was vibration specialist. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, uh, I used to. What were you a vibration specialist in? <laughs> nothing interesting, unfortunately. Down I was, hole, a, yeah, hole tools. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, no, it was uh, rotating equipment for kind of natural gas uh, compressors and stuff like that. So really boring, but uh, fun title. In, in uh, Calgary or? Yeah, no, like northern Alberta everywhere. So we'd, I worked out of Calgary, yeah. um, downtown, and then would fly to different sites across North America or Western Canada and mm-hmm. and uh, make sure natural gas compressors don't explode. That yeah. was my exhilarating job. And quit that to uh, drink more. <laughs> <laughs> Don't miss oil and gas. Yeah, yeah no. How, how long were you doing that for? Doing that for about eight years. Oh, eight wow. years? Yeah. Oh, shit. If, if you don't mind us asking, how old are you? I am uh, 31. 31? <laughs> You're young. I was going to say, you look very young. I yeah. just don't know how young, <laughs> you know? Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you did that for eight years. Yeah. And then what, what changed in that time? Uh, um, not too much. I just, uh, kind of the writing on the wall with oil and gas, mm-hmm. um, and then the opportunity with craft alcohol production in Alberta. So in 2014, the laws changed, uh, to allow craft producers to exist before it was completely illegal for any craft brewery to exist. Mm. So, so in, in 2014, they allowed it? They allowed oh. it. And then... Is that why, like, so many were coming up? Yeah. Back and that's oh. why there's... Oh, okay. We're, like, the highest density of craft breweries in Canada is in Calgary. But, uh, yeah, that that kind of... in That switch was because of this law change. Mm. Um, and so, kind of 2014 hit, I was just like, there's got to be this massive amount of distilleries popping up. It's such a good idea. Why is no one doing it? And then 2016 rolls around. It's like... Nobody's still doing it. There's like three distilleries in Southern Alberta. What is going on? And I'm just like, okay. Like, and then by the time 2016, 2017 arrived, I kind of like had the the wherewithal to be able to probably manage this project. And I said, and like nobody else was making a distillery, which made no sense to me. And so I thought it was a market opportunity. Took the leap. Uh, yeah, and then there's lots of fun things that goes to owning <laughs> your own business. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Welcome to yeah. behind the business. <laughs> yeah. Dave was an engineer too, actually. Yeah, um, I did that for like almost five years up north as well. Yeah. Like I did a rotation like 15 and 6. Oh, that's not, not a good one. <laughs> I, yeah, I fucking hated it. It, was like, it felt like it was like jail. Well, now, like, uh, with COVID, it basically is jail from my, yeah. like, my understanding of people that are still up on sites like that. It's just yeah. like, it's total hard. lockdown, two weeks just sitting in your little cubicle yeah. room, and then you go to the site, and then you come back to your cubicle room, you yeah. eat in your cubicle, like, It's like hard brutal. labor. Yeah. <laughs> and good food, that's it. not yeah. do that. Could yeah. not do that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're, you're, so you were, about five years ago, you'd say 25-ish, 26, you kind of thought this you know i'm going to create this distillery or what happened like, yeah, what the, made you, yeah like um the idea was kind of always there i distilled as a hobby i thought uh, in university i thought i was really smart i was like you know what all these guys are making homebrew like <laughs> oh, beer at home i i can one-up them i'll make vodka at home turns out i am not smarter than anyone i know <laughs> i could not make vodka at home uh, i had some pretty horrible incidents uh, but you were trying to make a vodka at home back? Like, yeah, like, like when I was 18, 19. Like with a copper still? Yeah, so we took a, a pressure cooker, drilled a hole in the top, and then attached a copper pipe out of it, and then set up a still. And uh, the <laughs> problem was that I didn't really understand fermentation at that time. Oh. I probably should have done some home brewing to figure that out before I started distilling. Uh, but yeah, we, me and a buddy learned how to distill as a hobby for a long time, did that all the time, and mm. then... Um, and then with the laws change, I saw an opportunity and thought it would be really cool. I'd have mildly the skills that would be needed and <laughs> and then went for it. So, yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen those like home distillation kits like that people like, because oh, yeah. from back in the day, like the prohibition style, right? Like. Yeah. You can get all kinds of good stuff on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Is it hard though to make alcohol? It's, <laughs> an, it's an art. It's hard to make really good alcohol. It's really easy to make alcohol, yeah. but potable alcohol yeah. is kind of like, it, like the better you get, it's kind of like exponentially yeah. harder. Like a- anyone can make alcohol. Yeah. If they want to make really high quality alcohol, it's, it's very much craft. You can make some like toilet brew like they do in jail with yeah. like fermented fruit and <laughs> juice boxes and Heck, like yeah. bread, right? Because you yeah. need the yeast. A- anything with, uh, you can get it. I mean, as long as there's sugar and, and yeast is in the air, like yeah. you can basically. That's how they make arguably it. Arguably, not screw it up if you really <laughs> it have just, a, it. Just a, tastes a like will. shit because yeah. it's like 
rotting fruit. <laughs> <And> toilet water. <laughs> man, you should have brought some here. So I know. I, I know. On, man, come on. Next time. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, we. Uh, it's okay. I, it's all good. Horrible. It would have been horrible. great because we had a crazy week right now, yeah, but yeah. Uh, it's all good, man. No. I, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we can screw over some of the people I'm supposed to deliver alcohol to. <laughs> I, got, I got a case in my truck. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, so you started making it like five years ago, and then like what got you into actually starting it? Starting because it? like there's one thing making it, but then you yeah, there was a the desire there, and then I mean kind of I took a little bit of a course on craft distilling so like scaling up from my basement to something of a similar scale to me so I got some education were you were then, you doing like trial and error type uh while you're making it to see if it was good or not or just Oh yeah like it? we're we're working on recipes the whole time like pretty much the year before we opened I kind of dedicated all my free time to kind of recipe to, recipe development, mm. building a business, basically building a business plan, getting investment, all that stuff, mm-hmm. about a year-long process before we even got to renting a space and, and construction and everything. So yeah. pretty involved, kind of taking up all the free time that I had where I wasn't drinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of all my free time is drinking yeah. and then working at the business. That's Don't get funny. high on your own supply, yeah, though, right? <laughs> very problematic with an alcohol business. So That's smart, though, because, I mean, if you were, enjoy drinking anyways and you're you're making something that helps with that, it's like, well, fuck it. Why don't you just make a business out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like my hobby is spending time uh, in Calgary nightlife, enjoying, I don't know, nice nice things and, yeah. and the bars in town. And, and I like uh, we're recently doing a, like a – a cocktail on tap at the ship and anchor and I spend a heck of a lot of time at the ship and anchor. It's like, okay, this is why I did this all. It's like, okay, <laughs> like I'm taking something I really enjoy sitting yeah. on the ship patio and now I get to participate in bringing joy to others at that same experience. So it's like market research. Oh man, I've done a lot of market research <laughs> in Calgary. So it's like, I feel like I had some, some, I, I consider it actual market research is like understanding market trends, what kind of alcohols mm-hmm. are coming into Vogue, out of Vogue, like, uh, the vodka soda kind of craze that took over the world mm-hmm. in the last year, mm-hmm. like the white cloth thing. We were able to jump on that really quickly. This year we have like, we have somebody every week come to our distillery asking if we can, they can make a white cloth. I'm like, well, yeah, we can, but you're going to be charged. Like it's going to be really expensive for you yeah. because you're late to the market and you're not really going to get a lot of traction potentially unless you have a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're just trying to make like a one-off white cloth. Isn't going to be a really, yeah, arguably miss the wave. you miss the wave or you're you're a year late and you don't have a million dollars to invest in marketing for it like yeah. you're not going to get the same traction but so people go to your distillery to ask you to make alcohol too yeah so we we do like we can do contract distilling for people so mm-hmm. uh, oh, if you want like a if you're maybe a liquor store and you want a private label brand mm-hmm. we can make the alcohol for it and package it for your brand it's called a private label mm-hmm. uh, if you're a person who has a really good brand idea and you have a really in, uh, exciting product, uh, you can come to us. We can make it for you. You have to become a legal um, agent of that brand. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bunch of legal process you have to go through, but then we can be the manufacturer so that you don't have like, you can be focused on marketing and branding and then we can do all the heavy lifting. That's fine. Uh, so like we, yeah. we we got behind the business and YYC real estate group alcohol now. Heck yeah, guys! <laughs> we just give it to our clients. Hey, that's pretty. We yeah, and like we can also take if it's like a vodka. We have so many different versions of our vodka. We can pick the best one that you guys like and put a different label on it. Dude, we got a new it. business right here. What are you talking about? I that's feel like I probably shouldn't be giving away all these alcohol <laughs> secrets on uh, on yeah. the air. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, like so you got like that side of the business. You create your own alcohol, yeah. like yourself. Yeah. That's Confluence Distilleries alcohol. Yeah, and then you also have the cocktail bar. Exactly. So yeah, like we have the cocktail bar, which is in the long term a marketing venue for expanding Confluence's know-how. Like at the end of the day, it's it allows people to experience 
like Confluence better. Mm-hmm. And so like Confluence, the product you'll see on the shelves in the liquor store is kind of our main business. Oh, so you guys actually have bottles yeah. like oh, yeah. selling. That's, that's right. <laughs> They're on all the major liquor stores. Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So anywhere in Calgary, as long as it's yeah. not kind of like bargain brand liquor store, you should be able to find our products in yeah. the gin section, the vodka section. And, and then just... in the RTDs, the, yeah. the like gin, we make gin and sodas and gin and tonics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just released our gin and tonics this last kind of few yeah. weeks. Because your, your largest supplier is co-op right now yeah co-op yeah. uh co-op liquors are our, our biggest supplier which is great uh, that's sick is, yeah they're really a good supporter of local is the brand just called uh confluence like yeah. gin yeah. confluence vodka yeah exactly yeah uh usually a white bottle with a dude know, now i'm very it. upset you didn't bring it <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. come on man you're on the podcast we advertising for you <laughs> i even wore the shirt today yeah. so i uh, i'm almost there yeah. i gotta get another shot of gin here yeah <laughs> um how hard was it though to get your vision and your business plan and get investors in and like like how hard was that process because i feel like that's it's a very hard process. I don't know if it was for you, yeah. but f- to enroll people uh, into your vision. Yeah. I think it's a, yeah, like it's a hard process, especially when you've never done it before. Like exactly. you come out of yeah. a technical engineering <laughs> job and you go, okay, now I Were have to- Were you still con- working as an engineer too? Yeah, full time up until three months before we went started construction. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, like you're kind of- s- I don't know. You're trying to juggle a lot of things, meet new people, express yourself in a completely different way, and then convince <laughs> them that you're good at something and you have nothing to show for it. Yeah. I really am impressed by the smart people that come to us and they go, hey, we have a recipe. We want to develop it. And then once that product is proven, we're going to buy a distillery. And you're like, oh, that's what I should have done. <laughs> it's like I should have tried to make gin on a craft scale. If it worked then, spent the half a million dollars or a million dollars that it takes to open a distillery. Yeah. So, yeah, like to me, the process was, was fairly difficult. Mm-hmm. But like living in Calgary, like a good idea with the right people behind it can find funding because yeah. there's so much like – there's so much wealth in Calgary mm-hmm. coming out of oil and gas that if you really are dedicated and you're willing to learn, mm-hmm. you can find a way no matter what. And like, I, like so how, there's how, so how, much money in Calgary. So how did you? Um, oh, I just uh, just bugged all my friends and family as much as I possibly could. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did like mostly it was a lot of friends and family to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now we're like, as the business grows, we're looking more and more in, to uh, to kind of expand that. And we have a lot more access to people with funding. So mm-hmm. uh, the process is always getting easier as we expand our business. Yeah. But Especially when you build a name and you have a, uh, oh, like we a have, product. Exactly. It's like, oh, you want to expand a business that you've succeeded in for two years? That's a lot easier than going, hey, I'm a random guy. Give me a bunch of money. It's like a real tough ass. I want to start making alcohol. Yeah. Some rotten fruit. I've really, I drank a lot. <laughs> so that means I know how to make alcohol. It's like, I've done some market hard research ask. on 17th Ave. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, building out a business, but like took a full year basically to get really that whole process lined mm-hmm. up. And then at some point you just got to take the leap and like yeah. take my entire life savings and put it down onto a buying a, a still and then being like, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't have a lease. I just have, I have a, a, yeah. a giant piece of equipment in the States that somehow has to come to Calgary. And, uh, at one point and just kind of <laughs> like, okay, I'm quitting my job. I'm spending all the money I've ever made. Uh, okay. Bye. And then hoping other people will jump in. Is yeah. That's an awesome story though. That's how it, it should be. Right. That's how it, it, that's how I feel yeah. entrepreneurs are. Right. Like yeah. you're just learning as you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? It's, it's very fun. Yeah. A little terrifying, but, uh, how yeah. much is like, uh, if you don't mind me asking, like, like the, the equipment and everything. So we like, Ours is probably one of the cheaper distilleries you could have started. And we like more than half a million dollars, between a half a million dollars and a million dollars worth of like equipment. Really? And like average in Alberta would be about 1.5 million. Because all the stuff is stainless steel, right? Or copper. Oh. And like the copper like manufacturing is like very, very specific and oh. expensive. And Yeah, copper is expensive in general. It's those yeah. big. Um, it's like what you see in a Cologne. Still. 
Yeah, like those big like tanks the, that yeah. like have like the pipes coming out and yeah. all that stuff. Looks like some like Breaking Bad shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's chemical engineering. Yeah. It's, it's chemistry. It's all the same. Yeah. yeah, it's like what they had at school for us. Like yeah. you see those giant tanks, you're like, holy shit! But it's for alcohol. So are those yeah. filled with alcohol? Like it's like a mixture. Mixture, and then you're. So we like, like we have that? so the process kind of broken down. We're making gin. Mm-hmm. Gin is redistilled vodka, and it's distilled in the presence of juniper. Oh yeah, so it do has that. To have pro- juniper. It has to have juniper in it. We have a, like what's juniper? Juniper is a, a yeah, it's a berry. Okay. Um, wait, wait. So I'm st- I'm learning this. Right? <laughs> gin is made out of vodka. Yeah. And and gin. All you need to make gin is vodka and juniper. It has yeah, to have and some a sort still, of yeah, and and the equipment and the equipment. Yeah. Okay. So we make like our Manchester is a thirteen botanical build, including juniper, coriander, Saskatoon berry, lemon peel. There's just kind of a whole range of stuff you can put into it. You can put anything as long as you put juniper in and call it gin. And uh, then the flavors are obviously from like other. All yeah, from all those botanicals, right? Everything else, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so. Uh, we redistill the vodka to make gin. Vodka is basically distilled beer. Mm. So you take beer and then you boil it and you capture all the ethanol that gets boiled out of it because oh. ethanol boils at a lower temperature than water. Yeah. So the water stays in the pot. The ethanol comes out of the pot. We collect all the ethanol at a higher percentage. Yeah. Um, and so wait, vodka wait, wait, is so like so distilled to so nice. They, they separate. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I just want everyone to understand this too because I think yeah. no one really knows yeah. also. So let me just verbatim what you just yeah. said there um be- vodka is made out of beer basically yeah okay and it's, it's an alcohol content it's you boil it and then the and then when it's boiled we, we're only capturing the ethanol and not the beer water Cause, mixture yeah because the water boiling temperature is at 100 degrees so what are you guys what is the uh ethanol is about 78 degrees celsius so at 70 degrees celsius then the uh what's it called the alcohol uh turns into a vapor and that's what's getting collected and that's the vodka yeah so i guess like the beer that you're boiling like what type of beer do you boil so making your own beer yeah we so we make our own beer oh so yeah so so it's like you're not buying like coors light there's cracking a bud there's a bunch of bud like cans all over the floor it's like no um so so basically like we always say that a brewery is a lazy distillery because they don't go the whole process uh because they only get to the beer phase they don't actually distill it into the vodka phase right um so brewers are just lazy <clears throat> they're not going that interest. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're, they're only going halfway there. Uh so we like in house we make a wheat based beer. So it's basically like a a sour hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. Uh we make that kind of base product so it's 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 wheat yeast water. Uh we we ferment that. That fermentation we take the sugars out of the wheat. Mm-hmm. It turns into alcohol. It's about 8% alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then we have this 8% alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. We boil that and we we take the alcohol out of that 8% beer and after a few steps of distillation, we get a 96% or a 95% alcohol vodka. Uh, distillate. Yeah, vodka. vodka. Yeah. So it's 95%. Vodka has to be distilled to 95% to be called vodka. Oh. Uh, so is that like the 95 proof or whatever? So proof is, is always just double the alcohol percentage. Yeah. So no one actually sells vodka at 95%. Yeah. yeah you always like just re-dilute yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. So all <laughs> mo- most spirits are always, di- they're, they're diluted down to a certain level. So you oh. add back clean water so into yourself. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because of its commonality, like you could sell it and sell it at 95 for sure. Oh. Uh, but could you even do a shot of 95%? I feel like that would probably fuck you up. Yeah. It's just two and a half shots. Yeah. Yeah, but wouldn't it, like, burn your throat? Yeah. Probably. (laughs) You're like, I've done it. I'm sure sure I've done it. Uh, (laughs) I don't think I have, but uh, it's not something, like, we're always, like, we taste our vodka to know when the good alcohol and the bad alcohols come, so I'm tasting 95% throughout the day Mm. in very small quantities, very, very small quantities, but it's not, like, something that's overly horrible, Mm. and, like, at that purity, it actually is pretty good comparatively. So you you have the vodka now, and uh, 
then you tweak it for flavor. Is that what you do? Or you add stuff to flavor it or to like... If we're making just vodka, we would take that distillate, dilute it down to 40%, and then we would carbon filter it. Dilute it, you're just putting water in it? Adding water back into it, yeah. Uh, So we put reverse osmosis water, and you want the purest water you can get. Uh, You add that back to the vodka, you uh, filter it, and then it's ready to bottle. So vodka is just clear, uncharacteristic alcohol, very boring, as plain as you can get. If you wanted to make a flavored vodka, you could just add flavor at whatever stage you want. Mm. And, and is, then is you, that the vodka you guys sell? It's just like... We just, yeah, normal vodka. Normal vodka. Okay. But ours is made, because it's made with weed in the way that we make it, it's much more characteristic than like a Smirnoff or a Grey Goose. It It'd have the same smoothness as a Grey Goose, but it would have more texture. It would have kind of notes of vanilla. It has a little more character, mm. a little bit more like mouthfeel, uh, sweetness, whereas like a... Uh, a commercially made vodka is usually pretty neutral and like just mm. completely just void of anything. Are those made with potato? Or just no. And so uh, like a Are, Grey Goose is made vodka, with wheat. Could vodkas be made with tomato? No. Potatoes. Potatoes. Oh, potatoes. <laughs> tomatoes. <laughs> you could, yeah, yeah, potatoes. You, you yeah. can make vodka out of anything with sugar. sugar yeah. So well, so you can, you can get there. Yeah. 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 You literally can make it out of anything. So potatoes historically is a cheap material yeah. it only has eight uh, percent uh, sugars to to weight uh-huh. uh so it's actually a very bad product to make oh. vodka out of it's not very economical oh bad uh, byproducts then eh? like so it's just like it's just a lot like it's just not very economical because it's uh-huh. low sugar content yeah, yeah. whereas like corn is like nearly 50 percent, and so corn would be the most like viable it's yeah. like very low cost very high sugar mm-hmm. so you can make vodka very cheap out of, out of corn. corn but Whiskey or wheat would be kind of the most common grain used for making vodka and make kind of a superior product. Plus, it's very cheap and has a high sugar content. So, that's kind of like why it's so common. Like making flour, like everyone uses bread, right? There's so much wheat in the world. Why not make it, make some vodka out of it? High yield content. Yeah, exactly. Damn, didn't know this. Podcast was to be. We're gonna get real. <laughs> we get real technical. Science, and, and then all of all of your listeners will fall asleep. <laughs> but it's interesting. I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know um, vodka was made like that. And then I guess what what makes it more. I guess the the way that you make the beer to um, the way you make the beer is what makes the vodka very like Different. the st- like the standard of vodka. Is that right? Like Grey Goose. Yeah, the, yeah, like the quality of the distillation, the quality of the fermentation, the base grain. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of factors that really kind of change it. And so, like, you, yeah. that's where kind of craft mm-hmm. alcohol is interesting is that you yeah. can really play with those factors. Whereas in a chemical, like the the vodka that's made out of Great Goose or, I don't know, Iceberg or wherever, like whatever vodka yeah. commercial, mm-hmm. It's made in the, it's basically all the same factories. They're just m- m- giant fractioning columns. Mm-hmm. They're about the same as a chemical factory up north. Like they're, yeah. It's the exact same process where ours are like a lot more hands-on, a lot more technical, yeah. a lot more mm-hmm. room for change or differences. And It's a lot more like artisan. And I feel like yeah. there's probably more love put into it than like some <laughs> for sure, mass-produced bullshit. I don't know. The, the, like I've toured through Alberta Distillers Limited, which is like this massive commercial facility in, in Calgary. Mm-hmm. The guys are, are great guys that do it. It's not necessarily a crap. There's not a, a whole lot of like ownership to the product, oh. but uh, they they do a great job. And yeah. but uh, but it is a very very different product. At the end of the day, it just reminded me of that series that I watched um, on Netflix, The Sour Grapes. Have you oh, watched I, that? I haven't seen that. No, you should watch that. Right. It's pretty cool. But it's about wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about this like guy that um, he's like a like a savant on like taste. Yeah. And he was essentially recreating these like expensive ass wines by mixing, pouring like old wines yeah. together yeah. and then selling them at like auctions for like millions of dollars. <laughs> Apparently uh, one of my other partners, uh, she knows the guy that in real life who, who debunked that guy. Oh really? Yeah. Crazy. And so a guy in like Kelowna. Oh, really? It was the one that was like, no, that's not what that wine is. That's that's fake. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. I, like, yeah, it's it's a pretty crazy story. Oh, but, yeah. Like, he went to jail for like 10 years. I'm oh, sure he got yeah, a lot of people with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, wh- where did you get the name 
confluence like what does that even mean uh perfect um (laughs) confluence is the meeting of two rivers Mm. so calgary is located at the confluence of the bow and the elbow river so to me i i confluence is the meeting of two rivers yeah okay and calgary is as well calgary Calgary means that? No, it's like the, <laughs> but Calgary. <laughs> Calgary is there, right? Yeah, yeah, like Calgary the center of Calgary is, that's is, pretty cool. is the confluence of the Bow and the Elbow River. So it's very like local. So that the, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of the fields. Like Calgary is my home. I I love Calgary in every single way, and I wanted to kind of voice that uh, reflection of Calgary. We use local ingredients, mm. and we want to kind of reflect Calgary back to people without just saying Calgary Distillery is yeah. like really lame. So confluence is kind of a, a an underappreciated way of of, of kind of bringing Calgary together. Oh, that's an awesome name. My grandfather was the mayor of Calgary, also named Ross Alger. Oh, so, what? Uh, yeah. uh, that should have been something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and so I thought it was kind of a nice kind of homage to him and, yeah. and that our family has really cared about trying to inspire the community and, and progress of Calgary for wait, wait, generations. Your grandfather or your... Yeah, my grandfather. Was the mayor of Calgary. How yeah. long ago? Yeah, Nin- like 1977 or 78 oh, or something oh, like that. Oh. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's been a bit. Calgary's changed pretty significantly since. That's cool. Yeah. Did you use uh, his name to help you with that? <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of favors at City yeah. Hall for that. Yeah. Got all the permits. Come on, no. man, my grandfather. Like, push these permits. Please. Literally nobody has ever heard of him who's working in City Hall today. So. Like, who? Yeah, exactly. That's pretty cool. But back to the name, like, it's, yeah. it's cool that you... Uh, you picked like um like a like a geographical thing in Calgary to to represent the brand and also like yeah it's just an interesting name that that connects yeah, it like really well like it's unfortunate that no one knows what it means it's, it's <laughs> kind of it's kind of lost at a lot of people you guys have to put that in your like why like the mission statement of the company because yeah. then like when people read it they're like oh fuck that makes fucking a lot of sense <laughs> Probably, yeah. should be on our front page of our yeah. website <laughs> well confluence sounds like trendy and cool like okay. confluence right, right? Yeah. So I would, I'm really hoping for that. Yeah, it does, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like, what does that mean? Like you you don't really know what it means, but I guess yeah, it's two rivers joining. Yeah. Um. And if yeah, and if you don't know what it means, then it it's kind of a blank slate for us to apply that meaning to you. So like, if you don't know what it means, uh, you enjoy Confluence's products, and now Confluence means specifically that to you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a. We just picked a, a bunch of syllables out of a hat and picked it. And, and so cool. we get to define our confluences, our meaning to anyone who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And for people that do get it, it's kind of a little nice little adjunct to, yeah. to the whole the the, concept. The flowing of alcohol. Yeah, exactly. A lot of <laughs> pouring that, alcohol. Is that, the, is that what it means of the flowing of alcohol? No. <laughs> like of the but it's a meaning of things. So like <laughs> yeah. we use it as like uh, bringing people together. So like our spirits bring people together is the, the flowing, the, the meeting of, of ideas and people mm-hmm. and and how did you come up with that you just like how did you think of that (laughs) of confluence to me is just that was a a great version of how calgary is and like to me that's uh, a, a subtle reflection of Calgary. That's it's awesome. crazy because I've never heard of that word before. So, <laughs> like, but now I, I have it attached, obviously, with your per, yeah. your brand now. That's, right? the, that's the goal. So, so yeah, we're not just kind of repeating the same. We're not like the Calgary Flames vodka. So like, yeah. it's so much Calgary, Calgary brand things or, that I like. Or like Alberta. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we wanted to stand out a little bit, but mm. still have that kind of connection because we we are Calgarian. We love it here. So yeah. Were you, were you born and raised in Calgary? Yeah. Oh, nice. But I, One of the few. Yeah. yeah. So weird. Yeah, so we're so nice. weird. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about, like, the transition when to find the spot, to open up the spot. I mean, I bet you there, there was a huge learning curve. You're getting into leases now. You're getting into contracts. You're getting into not just, you know, how was oh, yeah. that? Uh, you know, a very quick learning experience. Yeah, you know, you just kind of got help or anything or like um, lawyers. Well, yeah, yeah, lawyers, realtors. <laughs> thankfully, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, one of our like a good friend is a realtor, and he was able to help us re- like nail down. He he knew the vision. He's a realtor that deals with commercial craft breweries all the time, and mm-hmm. so he's what's like, his name? Uh, Josh Manarikar was really good help there. Josh, uh, really good guy. Um, really understood the industry and kind of was able to help us really nail down the lease. And like, we ended up, uh, 
if you know where we are, we're beside Cabin Brewery. Yeah. Uh, and so we both actually put an offer on the exact same space at the exact same time. Mm. And it's like, now you get neighbors. Yeah. Now, so now we share a wall. It's like, yeah. thankfully, the space beside where we both offered the same lease of where Cabin is right now. Mm -hmm. And then the space beside it opened up as well. And so I ended up taking the side space and they took the other space and we mm -hmm. didn't have to do like a bidding war over the same thing. But like, it was really that that area we saw an opportunity. Was that area like, already like get, kind of getting established or did you guys? Yeah, it was really uh, Banded Peak and Annex kind of uh, really championed that area. They like the first kind of ones were in Inglewood that had some closeness and Banded Peak was the farthest one away. And it was kind of like... Is that, a, is that another uh, distillery? Crapper, oh, yeah. Crapper. Uh, what's it called? Banded? Banded Peak. Ah, okay. And uh, yeah, they kind of were in the middle of nowhere. It's like literally nowhere yeah. is where yeah, they yeah. were before. <laughs> and now there's 14 of us that yeah. all moved in. Excuse me. Uh, and so like, yeah, they, 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 they were there. Annex followed suit, opened in that same area, a little bit farther away. Mm -hmm. And so now kind of Banded Peak and, and Annex are, are a little bit of the bounds and... There's like 10 people in between the two of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Born Colorado opened. They're across the street from us. They opened six months before we did. So we saw this little pathway between all these guys as, as like the perfect spot. Mm -hmm. Kevin had the same idea as us, exact same time. They opened. Uh, we ended up getting a lease a month after them. And we opened a week before them. So I was like, yes. <laughs> I beat them in construction. But their place is like super decked out. So oh. I know why it took an extra month <laughs> uh, where ours is a little bit more simple. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the whole process was uh, fairly involved, the legality of it. We had really good lawyers to help us out with it um, and business. But like, I think the biggest one was like learning economics. I don't know, for just like a, a engineer, you, you learn how things work and stuff, but you don't like, you don't learn like what a P&L is, like a profit and loss statement. Like that's not something that I've learned in school. I never took business 101 or anything. So I just yeah. like all the accounting jargon and like yeah. what that standard issue uh, process is, mm -hmm. like all the financial elements of it were definitely kind of the biggest learning for me and what I had focused on. Uh, did you have to, uh, did you have like that in place before you got like your investors or you're just learning well, as you? Oh, I mean, we were yeah. learning the whole time. Yeah. So like <laughs> it, it becomes more and more like refined, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, like I had a, a full financial uh, like five-year plan before I got any of my investors and was able to forecast dividends and value and all this stuff, but uh, they probably did it. Did it go on track or it's pretty on track? Oh, really? I, I, yeah. There was the, the issue is that kind of like my expectations of like our profit coming from this area of business and not from this area of business kind of just like swapped. Oh. It's like, but like all of my assumptions that were like conservative ended up being, and all my things that were like optimistic, they kind of just level out. And mm -hmm. so like I was right on some things and wrong on other things, and kind of. Yeah mostly got to the same path of where we're expecting so it's not the same when you like uh it's like you're you're uh it's like a hypothesis on it's like in the, in the beginning but then like <laughs> once you actually get into it you're like oh fuck like this is real numbers now and it's a lot different from like real life or like uh from what you've um totally. planned out but it's like you just kind of have to adapt as yeah. you go and you can't get that experience if you don't fucking try and like that's what <laughs> i find that like it's always the same conversation is like taking that leap of faith and then actually just doing it and learning as you go and adapting as you go. Yeah. So totally. I, I find a lot of, yeah, like businesses don't really know what they're doing at the beginning, mm -hmm. but they're just so excited for it that yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. And that drives like so much of the good stuff out of the bit. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been in this industry forever. It's been two years, <laughs> but it's like Dude, you that, haven't even started yet. That man. enthusiasm, yeah. the like yeah. not knowing what you're getting yourself into. The, those are that's where so many of the good ideas come from, and uh -huh. like and like just kind of this like outsider perspective of like what is the industry missing? And now we're on the inside, and being like, I don't know what the consumer thinks anymore because I've lost my perspective, and like. So it's kind of like always a balance of like that enthusiasm at the beginning of not knowing you're doing is like yeah. super valuable because you have this different perspective than everybody on the inside. And then once you're on the inside, you're like, oh, that's why we don't do it because it's a bad idea. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You should have gone with it. And like do I love that enthusiasm, just doing it wrong and trying it and hoping for the best. Do you guys ever do any like test panels and stuff like that or like? Uh, yeah, all the time. Everything we do, like a very involved product development process. So um, That's a good way. Yeah. 
giving it to everyone's parents to see how the older generations appreciate it. It's like, not, it's not sweet enough. You need to add more sugar. I'm like, it's, <laughs> people are health conscious this, <laughs> this, this uh, century. Come on, mom. <laughs> That's uh, so yeah, like we're, we, we always try and shop our everything around. I'll bring you guys some samples on our next product. <laughs> Come on, Ross. You can bring it today. Yeah, I feel like we should pop by there this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah we it's going to be a, a wicked shit weekend, shit. man. Uh, yeah, it'll be good. So when you were starting your business plan, you thought you guys were going to be selling bottles to liquor stores or was it more? Oh, yeah. Oh, everything. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what we we're doing now is nearly what I thought we would be doing <laughs> with with a, lot, a different expectations. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, our main business was to sell bottles to liquor stores. The tasting room um, is arguably a marketing activity to expand the value of Confluence so that people buy it in stores mm-hmm. and then they can go to the tasting room, do a tour of the distillery, uh, really appreciate the brand and then buy it again and they'll tell their friend about how cool their experience at Confluence was and how they learned what vodka is and how they learned what gin is and like, and that kind of is so much knowledge barrier between people drinking and people like, and the actual industry that like, that's such an important element to our business. So that's where the tasting room really like shines yeah. when our goal is to eventually be able to sell globally. Right. And so if we do that, like the tasting room is, is pennies towards that entire project. Yeah. It's almost like the Kelowna concept, you know, like, yeah, exactly. When you go and try the wine and all the wineries and stuff like that, you get like someone like that is going through it, like walking you through the different tastes and like the, exactly whatever notes, um, I forgot what it's called. Yeah. Like tasting notes of, (laughs) do you guys do that? Like you guys do tours? Yeah, we do. Well, not during COVID, but we typically do tours, uh, tasting flights and we'll go through the whole process and and teach you guys about what's going on. Like, so that people can appreciate it with you cocktail nights. We did like some online cocktail nights, uh, teach you how to make cocktails because cocktails is even such a barrier. We should do for the YYC real estate team. Yeah, we could. We should do a cocktail night. Yeah, because you guys had like pre-made kits or something like that. We like, yeah, at the start of COVID, we were participating in a lot of kits. So you put our bottle and then lime juice and and sugar and whatever else you need in a cocktail. And we could, we do all kinds of uh, cocktail kits. And then we try and teach people how to make cocktails because like, that's what most, like, that's what a good craft spirit should be used for is in in except like not a lot of people are drinking them straight. Mm -hmm. They are meant to be drunk straight, but most people are putting them in cocktails. So we want to inform the consumer how to make cocktails. And then we also make cocktails, pre-mixed cocktails and Mm -hmm. sell those. So we have like a Negroni, uh, which is a- In a can? It's it's in a bottle. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I've had some of that. Yeah. It's really good. Uh, uh, arguably the, one of the best Negronis in a bottle ever. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's gin, Campari and sweet vermouth. And so we make a really nice blend. We make a gin specifically for that cocktail. So like the gin kind of shines through the cocktail because it is a very, um, flavorful cocktail, but kind of simplifying the cocktail experience, making it more accessible to people because cocktailing can be a little bit hoity toity and a little bit like, uh, nerve wracking. Like yeah. there's so much barrier to entry, but it's just like, you're just drinking really nice things. It's yeah. like, you shouldn't be worried about like... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we hope that the consumer can like understand that we are trying to, it's not a hard thing. Cocktailing is fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be hard, frightening. So yeah, just like make it simple. And, and so we try and give that opportunity to people. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Uh, wh- what would you say like uh, biggest lessons you've learned in the last few years? Um you know, you're still really fresh in the business two and a half years. I know it feels like a long time. We've been only in business a couple, three, four years, but yeah. What would you say like the biggest lessons you've learned? Lessons, but a lot of it was kind of just understanding the economics, uh, business 101 kind of stuff. Um, understanding basic accounting, lots of that stuff (laughs) is like really big. Bookkeeping. Bookkeeping. Like, yeah. What is booking? Why does it matter? (laughs) Why do I spend hours and hours trying to figure out how much GST I've paid? Like brutal. Um, but yeah. Are you you doing that or do you have an accountant now? We do have an accountant, but I still do a, a good amount. Like, you there's like so much involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I like to be kind of you like you know, to know everything. Engineer yeah. of yeah. myself is like, if I don't know exactly what every little element is being spent, I, I feel like I'm out of touch. And then it's just like, why even participate? That's good, though. You need yeah. to be in your own yeah. business. Yeah. If you don't know where your money's going, then it's like, well, yeah, what that's the definitely fuck? like my most of my day's paperwork. So it's like, 
what they say is if uh, if you like distilling, you should do it at home. Mm-hmm. If you like paperwork, you should open a distillery is like kind of the way. Because, <laughs> again, alcohol is such a regulated business that it's like the amount of paperwork and taxes we pay, like it's brutal, but mm. it's a lot of fun. And so I think learning-wise is for sure uh, just learning how business works, how to grow a business, entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, just like that's really awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. What kind of marketing do you guys do? All kinds. Other than, other than the tasting room. <laughs> Um, we, like what, what is this tasting room? Just like it? yeah, it's, it's just like the the bar. Oh, the it's bar. the bar. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a cocktail bar. I thought oh, it was like yeah. a room where you go around. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's someone. There's glass windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. little booths. Uh, <laughs> you spit in a cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you taste other people's spit. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, no, like marketing pre-COVID, we did a lot of like in-store tasting. So we'd have a booth set up at a liquor store mm-hmm. so that people were introducing them to the spirit, getting them to taste it, sample it. Uh, that's a big one. We used to help run a lot of events. Uh, we were very involved in, I don't know, the, we tried to be involved in the cocktail scene and the like event scene around Calgary. Uh, Jamie Hilland, one of our other partners, uh, he used to be heavily involved in kind of the electronic music uh, scene in Calgary, mm-hmm. running an events company. And so like we have a lot of connections on that side of things. And so we really try to be involved in events and, and the nightlife and, and kind of get the bartenders to understand where we're coming from, appreciate our product and, and, and kind of hopefully guerrilla market itself from there. That's smart. <laughs> But I'm no marketing expert. So <laughs> my third partner, uh, Philan Ma, also, she mostly focuses on that. She's way better at smart, intelligent, things like that. <laughs> how did you form your team? Like, how did you – it sounds like there's more than just one pro- – like So, you, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was the one that knew how to distill. And so I kind of <laughs> run the production side of things. Uh, Fee is my partner and business partner. And so she – uh, just kind of was forced into it by me requiring a lot of help. And so, <laughs> so she's, she kind of joined full time just after we opened. But uh, so you guys like, uh, like, were you guys planning to be business partners or were kind of just like, it was kind of just like she was forced into it, I think <laughs> at the beginning. And then, yeah, like, it's like, Ross, you need a lot of help. And she's putting in a, like all of her nights and weekends into it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then she became full time with us kind of fairly immediately after we opened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Jamie Hillen came on board uh, a few months, kind of basically when we started construction. And so he manages all of our sales. Uh, uh, sales. Were you, were, you, were you like inquiring to find someone or how did that how did you guys? Yeah, yeah. So I knew Jamie through DJing and stuff like that. <laughs> and bus. yeah, through the base bus. Yeah. And I know some guys there. Um, and Jamie was looking for work, and I was looking for a guy that knew how to do things uh, that I didn't know. How. <laughs> and th- thankfully, he was he was totally the right guy for the job. And he, like, I had a meeting with him like the one week, and I was just like, I really need these. Like, there's a lot of things that I don't know how to do. I'm really, really looking for these skills. I was like settling, trying to like offer him a job, and he didn't really pick up on it. I don't think. And I <laughs> I put like an Indeed like. Um, uh, like a a job a request whatever you call yeah, it like <laughs> yeah. a posting on a, a job yeah, posting yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Jamie calls me like six minutes after it's posted he's like Ross like that's not what you need you need this and it's like oh okay yeah like I want the job it's like okay obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah Jamie come on <laughs> oh so he saw the ad <laughs> yeah he saw the ad and then called me he's like you want me and you don't want these things and you're like oh, okay perfect that's what I was hoping you'd get to when we had this chat a week before uh, so anyway Jamie came on board right at the beginning uh, he's been like him and Fia have been instrumental because they have so many skills that I don't have. I'm good with the supply chain, the paperwork, the mechanical elements of it. I can, I don't know, fix most things or break break them, whatever <laughs> you need to do. Uh, whereas Fee, she's all product development, so she builds all the recipes. She knows how to cook. She knows how to do – she knows how to taste things, which is a thing that apparently is really important in our business. Where <laughs> coming at good. It, it's like, yeah, having a really refined palate is oh, yeah. like such an important element where it's like to me it's like, yeah, I know how like – chemical engineering works ish like that's an important element of really technical side of it but the other element is like cooking and flavors and and how that kind of the full experience exists and that's super critical it's something that totally off my plate yeah it's like q a almost uh, yeah just like all and and so like 
her ability to be creative and smart and, and thoughtful about that whole com like experience mm -hmm. and me being just like technical nerd, boring paperwork guy, both very important, but super complimentary. Uh, <laughs> and then Jamie being the, like on that third element of like marketing and sales and just like this knowledge of how people uh, consume things and, 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 and yeah. And like being able to connect and, and talk to people and, and drive all these things, which is like, so many things that I'm bad at, they're really, really good at. And so that was a really, really good that we like lined up it's like all in the right place. All-star team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know, how important is it for a team? Because I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs think they have to do it on themselves, right? Yeah, oh, like, I would be dead if I tried to right? do any of this right? myself. Yeah. If Seriously. I had to go to do, do a sale, like if I had to talk to somebody and be like, this spirit is the greatest thing in human history, I, I would be bankrupt. <laughs> Hell, like, I'm, I'm terrible at it. And so like, God. Well, that's funny. You didn't, it didn't, he didn't come along right away. It came uh, yeah, I think he didn't really realize how desperate I was. <laughs> that's awesome. No. That's it's, a good yeah. story, man. <laughs> Yeah, you need but, a good team. Oh, the team was is so critical and like yeah, really realizing your your own faults and like where you're lacking. Like my knowledge of accounting is is very minimal and like I it's definitely where I try and learn as much as I can and always trying to increase that kind of entrepreneurial understanding of yeah. of the team or of of the economics of everything. Yeah. It's so critical to our growth and our scaling and and all that stuff. Uh and so that's kind of like part of my job that I don't know that I really need to know. So I spend a huge amount of time trying to learn it and get better at it and optimize it. And like we have now like part-time CFO who helps me learn these things and drives us into the right direction. And oh, so really? like truly, yeah. Like a mentor? Not, uh, arguably yes, but it would be like a, like a part-time CFO, oh. uh, like a company that consults for us on a part-time oh. level. And so they have very, very experienced CFOs that provide us accounting and, and CFO services. Uh, but because we only need it a few days a week at most or a few hours a week, uh, it's, it's not going to break. Like I don't need to hire a full-time CFO for oh. something that only requires so much work. That's smart. Um, and so it's really cool. A yeah. yeah like like fractional uh, CFO services or, or financial services is, is kind of like the business area that it's called. And, there's quite a few p people that do it. It's just really hard to know that that exists, right? Yeah. So what, where did you hear about yeah. that? Because uh, we, um, we might need that contact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd I be mean, good. Right? Uh, yeah, so we heard it through one of our investors, also an entrepreneur, had that service uh, provided to him. We use a company called Amplify Advisors, and they've been awesome, helpful for us, um, really kind of progressing from me using spreadsheets and a basic understanding of accounting to like, just like super refined, like being able to communicate with a bank appropriately so that, that we could get additional funding or, or speaking to investors competently. And like if we needed to go to a uh, angel investor, we wouldn't look like total idiots without with our <laughs> pants pulled down. We would know what we we're talking about and we'd, we'd have all the things that they would want in a financial package. Yeah. And, and so we can, we can look really, really impressive when arguably we aren't necessarily as impressive. It's like some Shark Tank shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so one of our competing, competing distilleries uh, just got a million dollars on, uh, on whatever the Dragon's Den. Oh. Yeah. So shit. successful. Uh, in Calgary? Yeah. Burwood Distilling in Calgary just got, uh, yeah. That's crazy. Got, a really uh, impressive offer for That's for their hard work. It, it, very, very well deserved because they are <laughs> yeah. great. So uh, super impressive. And they're like building a new distillery. It's going to be a monster project. So oh, wow. really cool stuff. It, it sounds like you, you know, didn't really know what you were doing. <laughs> no offense, you know, but um, a lot of entrepreneurs don't really know what they're doing. But I think what what is helping you is your you're looking for support and help and you're okay with that. And I think a lot of people <laughs> yeah. might think that, yeah, that mindset is just like, I'll figure it out myself. I'll do it on my own, yeah. but finding someone that's done it or asking people, you know, that have, you know, more knowledge to support that, I think elevates like elevates your game and um, sets you apart from your competitors. Right. Cause I think a lot of people aren't doing that. I, well, I appreciate that. I, I mean, I yeah, like. I hope that that. I mean, I don't think that I'm doing anything uh, surprising or, or or unique. But uh, yeah, like uh, kind of relying on the community. Yeah. Um, one of the nice things about moving into this kind of craft distilling brewing space 
versus oil and gas. Oil and gas to me, like oil and gas engineering more specifically is like really cagey about like your IP and like what, who your customers are and like not being able to share too much and just like being like really protective of everything and like not sharing. And so we get into this space and everybody borrows things from everybody. Everybody, like everyone's going to go to the other place and have a chat and have a beer on a Friday afternoon. And like so much camaraderie and like, it's a community, it's, it's a community yeah. but it's like, it's, we're not competing against each other. We're competing against bigger brands mm -hmm. and we're trying to grow this craft thing. We're like, when all, Elevated. It, we're, what is it? All ships uh, rise on high tide. Like, mm -hmm. As our community and our industry grows, everybody succeeds. So, mm -hmm. so every time you promote Bandit Peak down the street, you're promoting Born Colorado at the same time. You're promoting me, and you're promoting Uncommon, and like all these places, we're all trying to do the same thing. And and by working together, we're going to succeed a lot better. And so, like, yeah. I really, I, I put a lot of work into like indirect things that will hopefully benefit me in the long term. I'm also the president of the Alberta Craft Distillers Association, nice. and so like. All my free time, which doesn't exist, <laughs> goes back into like helping new distilleries open in Alberta. Uh -huh. And so like, and lobbying for like rule changes and, and expanding like all the, the things that we can do to, to make Alberta craft distilling as good as Scotch whiskey that yeah. is an industry that with the same population and quality as Alberta and could be like export $6 billion a year or something like that. Like Alberta could be that next Scotch whiskey location. Yeah. Diversifying the so, market, especially out of oil and gas. Cause I feel exactly. like. Exactly. So we lost, yeah. What a $30 billion industry of oil and gas, yeah. basically like Calgary or Alberta needs something to fill that void, fill that void. And craft distilling is literally the only industry that I know of that's growing. <laughs> like we have tech and we have yeah, a few yeah, different yeah. things, but like yeah. uh, craft distilling is a really big opportunity Alberton grain is some of the highest quality grain in, in the world. Um, and we have a history of making high quality rye whiskey and, and whiskey. Um, and so we have, we have the, we have the people, we have the, the natural resources, we have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, That's and awesome. I think it's like on the government to kind of just give us a little bit of a step up over the next few years to really get us some traction and <laughs> we can see some really cool things with our industry growth. So that's I think, my goal. I think it's growing for sure. What what advice can you share for entrepreneurs or someone trying to get into your type of business? Um, you know, anything that you can share to them or advice before getting into it or help? Um, yeah, advice. I think um, for me, there's like, for arguably somebody in Calgary, there's so many resources out there um, that if they like, I really try and promote entrepreneurship. I think it's so much more interesting. There's so much opportunity. Uh, so many people are just afraid to dive in or try it. Like they just kind of stop it at the front door and don't even like give it an opportunity, mm -hmm. which is kind of de depressing. That's and, the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, <laughs> like it, it's, it's not easy, but it's interesting. It's fun. It's worthwhile. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a lot more time doing what I do than I did when I was an engineer, but I'm so much happier because there's that opportunity to feel like I'm yeah. doing something of value um, and to have ownership over it is really important and interesting. So like I want to kind of promote that, uh, like just try, like I think learning about the economic side of things, like taking business classes or, or reaching out to an accountant, mm -hmm. that's kind of like, the only other person I would have in my team would be like an accountant from day one. It's like the person I would really have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like there, there's so much opportunity in Calgary. There's so many people for like, there's so much wealth in Calgary. So many people that don't know what to do with their money. It's just about finding them. Mm -hmm. And the more you talk about your business, the more you in, engage with people. If you have a good idea, it's going to get traction. Uh, that idea should take off if it is a good idea. <laughs> and so like, if it's a good idea. If it's good, like yeah. people will buy into a good idea. Mm -hmm. And so just making like making good choices about uh, putting together like fully developed plans and, and getting your stuff together, talking to people about it. Yeah. That's like the way to go. You'll find a way if you really try. Have, and you, like, have you read the book Start With Why? No. <laughs> you should. That's exactly but we, what that talks about. Yeah, we do uh, – we have this thing called like the entrepreneurial operating system EOS uh, through a book called Traction, mm -hmm. and uh, like that was a big game changer for us is to really like define where our company is going, mm -hmm. um, 
and just like set goals for ourselves, a 10-year plan, a five-year plan, a mission statement, really developing so that everybody on our team is going towards the same goal. Um, and that was like a really big uh, value add for us. Culture. Yeah. Common just, culture. And just, what's the other one? Uh, there's a, there's like some course uh, program thing that's, it's very helpful for a lot of people too. Like it's entrepreneur. Like business, business entrepreneur course. Yeah. It's like an entrepreneur, like once you have, it's like for established businesses who are trying to grow oh. uh, and I'm totally blanking on it. So. Uh, don't worry about that one. Less important. <laughs> I'm not that good anyway. No. Uh, but yeah, just like if, if you're if you believe in it, uh, like get that financial understanding and like and talk to people about it. it I'm sure it'll, there's there's so much things that you can do yeah. if you want to. Passion yeah. and purpose gets funding <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, or make better ideas. Make really cool ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess. I think that was a good way to end it, but I always like to give the opportunity, um, Ross, if there's any last words you want to say or anything you just want to say before uh, we end the podcast. Um, I was just going to say that I uh, really appreciate uh, you guys inviting me over today. I'm yeah. sorry that we that Jamie couldn't join as well, but uh, I really appreciate the time. The conversations are awesome. I, yeah, we'll I get you guys stuff. back both on. Yeah, we'll get you guys both on with... <laughs> The alcohol. <laughs> uh, see, this is where James, like, I don't usually get to leave the distillery. No one, like, sees me. I don't interact with humans generally. That's he knows funny. to bring alcohol. That's He's so smart. <laughs> so where can they find you guys? Like, uh, on yeah. social media, location, all that? Yeah, Instagram, uh, confluence underscore distilling, I believe is our handle. Uh, our website, confluencedistilling.ca. Yep. Uh <laughs> And then our distillery is at 507 36th Avenue Southeast, uh, just off McLeod, uh, by that Burnsland Cemetery, <laughs> <laughs> just by the, all the dead people. Uh, and then in stores like Co-op Liquor Stores, uh, Wine and Beyonds, Highlander, um, all the nice boutique places downtown, like Oak and Vine, Vine Arts, uh, places like that, Bin 905, all those really really nice great liquor stores that helped us yeah. uh when we were small and starting out um yeah uh, pretty much any fairly good liquor store that you can find will be there awesome. and uh and, and you, you can guys, always you buy guys, online you, too you guys are open uh to like 10 11 right now during covid or yeah so yeah. right now very specifically during this patio thing we're open till 10 p.m patio only mm. uh for cocktails at our bar sweet Site. And then you can kind of look in the window and see the distillery inside. <laughs> and you can buy off sales there every day, like Monday, Friday, nine to five. Awesome. Oh, you can buy the alcohol there too. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Well, awesome. Awesome. Great podcast, Ross. Yeah. No, thank that you guys. Was... This was awesome. Yeah. Love the setup. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs>